I'm Jay Roots Leonard. I'm the Dean of Campbell Law School, and this rhymes with orange. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Season 3 of our podcast, Rhymes with Orange. I'm Billy Liggett, and uh, joining me, as always, is Kate Stoneburner. Hi. Uh, hi, Kate. Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm <laughs> bad. How about yourself? I'm pretty good. <laughs> we are very pleased to uh, present to you today our interview with uh, law school dean Jay Rich Leonard. Um, we originally just had him on to talk about... Uh, the law school's 1040 celebration and the upcoming 1040 bike race, but as you'll hear in just a few minutes, uh, Jay Rich Leonard likes to sit in front of a microphone and talk, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, <laughs> he did a great job. We were very impressed. He did a great job. At the end, when we tell him time's up, he begged us, practically begged us to keep going. As many guests do, but this time we didn't cut it out. Just to show you that that uh, we are actually recording this the week that it comes out, uh, as we speak... Hurricane Dorian bears down on Campbell University. Actually, I don't think we're going to get that much here. But uh, Kate, you are you are manning the the airwaves on social media. Um, I am. What are people asking? What are you telling people? I'm telling people I'm sorry we haven't canceled school. I'm, I'm sure you're very <laughs> sad about it. It honestly, I understand. I do, and everyone has a different maybe bandwidth for how much they take this stuff seriously and how quickly they want to evacuate. And I understand that, but it's a little draining. I'm not going to lie to have to constantly disappoint approximately 25 people a day. Well, you, you look just... at the last few hurricanes that have come through here, Florence, mm-hmm. Matthew, um, n- neither uh, took this path. They, they more or less hit North Carolina straight on, but we just got so much rain here. And it's not mm-hmm. that, it's not that, Campbell gets much of the pounding. It's that these these students live in areas that exactly. are affected, I guess. And so I get it, too. But um, for those of you, I, I hate to make a premature announcement right now, but for those of you who are hoping that uh, classes are canceled Friday, I, I we're, we're pessimistic, hope harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all need to pray very hard if we want that to happen because it's yeah. looking like we're going to be okay. But for those of you who are affected, uh, you know, obviously. Yeah, go home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Work it out with your professors. It's always worth it. Like, yeah. yeah. So whether you're driving, doing the dishes, or sitting at work, we hope you enjoy this first installment of our new season. All right, Dean Leonard, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, my, we're in the, my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> We're in the middle of the law school's 1040 celebration, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about that. But uh, uh, the 10 and 1040 means that the law school's been in Raleigh for 10 years now, and you've been dean for five of those years. Actually, six. Six. Okay. So, but uh, <laughs> it's given you a lot of time to to maybe think about this move now, because I know it was still fairly new when you got here. Um, Tell us just what this move to Raleigh has meant for Campbell Law School. It's been transformational. When I had my investiture, uh, gosh, approaching seven years ago, I said the brilliant Dean Esfri moved the law school here, and my job was to ingrain it into the city in every possible way, and that's what we've tried to do. Uh, One of my favorite recruiting techniques uh, is to go out on my wonderful balcony off my office that overlooks downtown Raleigh with prospective students, and show them my kingdom and say, uh, 
what would you like to do? <laughs> and point in the direction they would go yeah. if that was the work that they wanted to do. Because literally you have all the branches of state government, you have six courthouses within walking distance, you've got all the major law firms in the state, you've got all the major technology companies all within six or seven blocks of the law school. And it means that uh, there's a vibrancy to what we can offer students that really no other law school in the state and few in the country can. When, uh, this is one of the rare opportunities for us to take this podcast on the road and we are actually on the fourth floor of the law school. This isn't your office but it's near your office and we're looking out over downtown Raleigh right now and uh, I remember back when the move was made um, I know I was surprised by this and I guess a few other people were surprised that uh, North Carolina was the only capital city in the nation that didn't have a, a law school. That's not quite true. Okay. There are a couple of tiny little capital right. cities. Okay. <laughs> uh, the capital the of Vermont of only has like 5,000 people. <laughs> but but they, uh, so they definitely not, saw but an opportunity. We, uh, we were certainly one of the largest cities uh, in the country without a law school. And uh, we know now that uh, it was just in time. We've discovered at least three other groups that were doing uh, planning for a downtown Raleigh law school before we made the move. So uh, had we stayed in Bowie's Creek, it would have been a double whammy. We would have been in Bowie's Creek and somebody else would have owned Raleigh and it would been very hard to get here. So uh, I think we uh, uh, timed it in exactly the way that it needed to be timed. I had nothing to do with it. I just right. read about it in the paper. I was a judge down the street uh, yeah. when this all this happened. So. Um I interviewed you, I, you corrected me, six years ago now when you, when you first got this job. And uh, we talked, in that interview, uh, I think you were still unpacking boxes. Uh, we talked a lot about your decision to, uh, you, you thought you were toward the end of your career and then you jumped into this and you used the word panic attack once or twice <laughs> at the beginning. But, but, uh, but um, tell us just, you know, these last six years, what's been, what's been the best part of this job and uh, maybe some of the most challenging parts of it? Uh, the most challenging part of this job has been the debacle that legal education has been for the last six years. If I've often said if I'd done the least bit of due diligence, I'd still be a judge because no one would have walked into this if they had their eyes open. Uh, the applicant pool dropped in half. Uh, so you had to say that back to 1970s levels when there were 40 fewer law schools. So you had so many more uh, quality schools competing for many, many fewer students. And we had to go back to the drawing board in everything we did. We had to redesign our admissions processes. We had to redo our scholarshiping. We had to come up with new scholarships. We had to find groups that we would particularly appeal to and figure out how to target uh, those groups. And we had to come up with new programs that would excite people about coming here. So uh, it was pretty uh, intense time, but I think we've done it very successfully. We just seated a class of 177, about 17 more than I wanted, but we had a remarkable yield from the folks that we admitted. That happened last year. Last year we had 185. Um, so we are really at capacity. We have 500 students in the building for the first time ever. Uh, the median LSAT's gone up each year for the last three. So we're getting stronger students. And we're also having a remarkable thing happening, not just to us, but to a lot of law schools. We're seeing the feminization of law. Our entering class is two-thirds women and one-third men. And two years ago, it was 
And you can make all sorts of speculation about why that's so, and we all are, but that's just the fact of the matter. What's your speculation on that? <laughs> uh, I, my speculation is two things. Uh, my speculation is that uh, uh, it's me too, uh, and you have a lot of uh, bright young women who want uh, credentials to hold their ground, and law school looks like a good one. Uh, and it's also the feminization of our feeder schools. Uh, if you look at all eight of our primary feeder schools, seven of the eight have swung heavily female. Uh, North Carolina State is still barely predominantly male. Uh, so we may just be mirroring where our students come from. I can see that. We recently wrote about several, and I think it was an all-female law team that was winning competitions left and right, and I know Campbell's trending that way on main campus. So. Well, it's exciting to have this presence downtown. We love seeing Campbell downtown when I live in Raleigh, so it's yeah. great for me. But can you tell us how this 1040 year of celebration has been going? It's what been great. You know, you, uh, you have to be strategic about how you market yourself. And I have terrific marketing people. Uh, and we looked around and thought, well, what's going on with the law school? And it just occurred to us last spring that, my goodness, we have, uh, you know, it's the 10th year in Raleigh. It's the 40th anniversary of the uh, graduating class. So. Uh, we came up with the idea this is going to be our 1040 year to celebrate all of the great things that Campbell has done, really coming fairly quickly from just an idea to a major institution in our state and region. Um, so we, uh, put, we've done about an event a month uh, to market of uh, all different kinds, but they've all been uh, pretty exceptional. We, uh, we started out uh, last January with uh, the first annual John Marshall Lecture, and why'd we do that? Well, um, about a year earlier, this elegant couple had shown up here wanting to meet me, and as we spoke, uh, the lady of the couple said that, you know, my interest in law uh, is really familial because Chief Justice Marshall was my great-great-grandfather, and I thought that was nice, and then she came again, and she, I could tell she was feeling me out, and she said, uh, <laughs> I actually have inherited his personal rocking chair from his study, and I don't have anywhere to leave it, and I want it to be someplace appreciated and safe. And so uh, she gave me the rocker. So it's in our library now. We have a great exhibit of the John Marshall rocker. But uh, it even got better because she said, and it was carved by one of the famous Day Brothers. And I don't know if you know the Day Brothers. No. The Day Brothers were the free African Americans who were the biggest furniture makers in North Carolina wow. uh, before the Civil War. One of them stands in front of the History Museum. Okay. Statue. I had never heard that. They're legendary. I mean, their furniture sells for tens of thousands of dollars now. Um, and. Um, and I happened to say, well, how'd John Marshall meet the Day Brothers? And they said, well, it's when he came to Raleigh. I thought I knew everything about the history of the courts in North Carolina. But I said, why in the world did John Marshall come to Raleigh? And that became the story and yeah. the basis yeah. of the first Marshall lecture because in those days, the Supreme Court justices were in circuit. And Marshall was assigned the fifth, which was Virginia and North Carolina. So twice a year for 32 years, he traveled from Richmond to Raleigh and convened the North Carolina Circuit Court down on Fayetteville Street where the courthouse is today yeah. and tried the most amazing array of cases that have been lost to time uh, that you've ever heard of. And I spent six months with research assistants sort of digging all that out and writing a law review article about it. And I did the first talk on Marshall and Raleigh, the unknown story. And well, I remember 
um, our first talk, you talked a lot about being a preservationist, mm -hmm. and so it sounds like anything history-wise just yeah, really... Yeah. We, I think we talked before. Yeah. I, mean, I, I inherited the Old Century Station building for the bankruptcy court um, when I was a judge there, and it was falling down. Yeah. And I spent about three years and pulled together about $8 million from different sources to completely uh, restore it to its 1876 glory, and now it's one of the most magnificent buildings in the city. So, yeah, I love history, and I think sometimes we don't appreciate what we have. It's great to have that history in this building where the students can learn about something they probably yeah, never would have yeah. heard of otherwise. Well, and then we kept doing, we kept on with that yeah. because um, the uh, I'm a member of the Supreme Court Historical Society, and soon after I became dean, they had a wonderful exhibit over there called uh, First Ladies of the North Carolina Judiciary." It's every mm -hmm. uh, the first woman who made the leap onto every court at any level in the state, and they didn't have anything to do with it and I said well I got lots of white walls I'll pay to, <laughs> I'll pay to dismantle it move it put it back up and it's in our lobby now sure, yeah. it gets incredible attention but I started thinking you know there's another group of judges for whom it was even harder uh, to make the jump and that was the first African Americans and so we spent about two years putting together the parallel exhibit for the first African Americans to make the leap to every court at every level, state yeah. and federal in North Carolina, and we unveiled that in part of our 1040 in February mm -hmm. as part of uh, Black History Month, and the, all the judges who were still living were at the exhibit, the families of the others were there. It was one of the most touching days I've ever spent, uh, because as they said, really we didn't get celebrated much. Mm -hmm. uh, no one's ever actually thought about treating us as a group and honoring us and we've now broken the permanent exhibit is all on our walls and it always will be but we've broken it into stanchions about each judge that we're loaning out okay. uh, all over it's been at the city of raleigh museum for the last month it's going to st augustine's it's going to the wake county courthouse and it'll go statewide and uh, and that's a great thing to be able to do yeah. but i think it's critically important in this building for law students to look around on the walls and see where this career could take you. Yeah, and not just for white male law students to look around, but for law students of every color and stripe and ethnicity to look around um, mm -hmm. and see what the future can hold. That's a great way to honor them and a great way to kick off 1040. And the next event coming up, uh, it's September 28th. And this is the bike ride from the creek to the Capitol. <laughs> And I want to know two things. First of all, you can explain the event a little bit, but I want to know whose idea this was and are you going to participate in this 40-mile bike ride? Well, here's the deal. Uh, and I, I think it was David Bone, my development he director's idea. Yeah. I believe it was David's idea. Uh, but we were looking for something symbolic that mm -hmm. tied together uh, the, the creek and, and the capital. And uh, that seems like a great thing. And I am not going to participate because my right foot is held together with two plates and five screws. <laughs> I guess and that's fair. <laughs> okay. I broke it a couple of times playing basketball and had to have it nailed back together. And Yikes. my orthopedist <laughs> is pretty clear that a 40 mile bike ride is probably not a way to test it. So I'll be here you know, for the barbecue. At the finish line, <laughs> cheering people but, on. But so I just good. can't ride a bike that far. You know, I've offered, I'm a big swimmer, I swim every morning and I said if we can do a version of it in the natatorium I'm willing to 
they all land, but uh, swim the Cape Fear. Yeah, swim we, Cape we, Fear. We don't really have a lot. We don't really have strength. <laughs> I don't know if you want to swim the Cape so, Fear. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm not gonna be able to do it, but I'm really excited uh, that, that we're gonna do it. Go ahead. Just for anyone listening who has not heard about it yet, Creek to the Capital bike ride, Saturday, September 28th. And it's going to be a bike ride. You have two options. You have two routes. One is 40 miles from main campus, Boys Creek, all the way to the law school on Hillsborough Street. And the second option is 10 miles long, and that one starts at Lake Benson. And there are details on our website and on our Facebook page if you're interested. We're having a great, we're having a lot of interest. I think we'll have a lot of people who want to do yeah. it. It should be a great day. We're excited about it. I no, I think it'd be a great day. And I'm sorry, but I just, uh, uh, you know, I, I need to keep my foot as long <laughs> as I can. <laughs> Is President Creed going to hop on a bike for that? I think? think there's a football game that day. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, he was planning to. Good excuse. I, unfortunately, <laughs> I think there's a home football game okay. that he needs to be at. You'd mentioned this, uh, actually Kate mentioned this with uh, some of your award winners, and I wanted to ask you this while we had you here. Seems like this last semester, every week we were getting news of uh, one of your advocacy or your mock trial groups winning national, regional, state, you know, the, all these awards. And so um, I know you've got a lot of great coaches here, a lot of great people that put these together, but was this something that, that you, when you became dean, is this something that you said um, we should focus on? Absolutely. Yeah? I when you take on a job like this, you do two things. You, first, you say, where are we strong and how do we get stronger there? Uh, and the next thing is, what are the new things we're not doing uh, that we ought to be doing and could be successful at? And we'd always been an advocacy school. Campbell was in some ways set up to train lawyers in the practical skills of being a lawyer. Uh, but uh, we put it on steroids. Uh, you've seen that yeah. Gene Boyce has been incredibly gracious with uh, giving us enormous amounts of money to help us with this. Uh, I raised a considerable amount of money around the names of Judge Frank Dupree and Judge Earl Britt to name courtrooms for that for them and all of that money we poured into courtroom technology so that we have state-of-the-art uh, courtrooms, anything you can do in a courtroom anywhere in the world you can do in our courtrooms so our students go off into these competitions and uh, they've got all the skills that you could possibly need as a successful advocate. Uh, and uh, we've expanded our program. We go to more competitions. We go abroad. Uh, there, was a, there was a weekend last year where I had kids in Dublin, Puerto Rico, and Hong Kong all in the same weekend. These are high-pressure situations, I guess, the, aside from just the wins that you're getting, the experience has to be just tremendous. It, it's life-changing, I think, for these students. Uh, you know, the ability to uh, step up to the podium in a, in a national, international competition against, really, the most skilled students in the country and world and represent your school is, uh, you know, I mean, it just sends chills up their spine, they tell me. And I'm committed when we're saying, we give now right about 100 kids a year the opportunity to lead the law school on a competitive Campbell team. Uh, and there's probably, it couldn't be more than one or two other schools that even come close to us. There's no school in the state that even matches us. Uh, it is not cheap. These competitions are in expensive cities and flights cost, but it's something we can't back away from. And uh, thankfully, our alumni and our supporters see this as an important part of what the law school does, so they've been very generous and willing to step up and help us. Yeah. 
it's a great experience and great travel for them and we were looking you up and discovered that before Campbell you were with the US Department of State and you did a lot of traveling yourself well I was a consultant for the okay. US Department of State yeah I um, I you know, we, I just started a summer program in Ghana for our students this summer. I think we're the first law school to ever have a sub-Saharan residential summer program. I took 15 students to Ghana for three weeks. It was life-changing for them, but that grew out of the fact that since the early 1990s, I've been going to Africa as a consultant for the State Department, working with judiciaries there on a whole range of projects. And, it's been one of the most meaningful things I've ever been able to do. It's changed my life, and I thought it would change these students' lives, and, and I think it has. This this trip to Ghana that I just came back from in uh, June was my 48th time to Sub-Saharan wow. Africa. That's incredible. <laughs> and we knew about this because we saw it on the blog. It was around the same time that I was traveling with some nursing students to South Africa, which is... Uh-huh. Definitely a different vibe, but it's impossible to go to a culture that's so different from ours and not come back with some sort of meaningful change. I agree. I think that's yeah. exactly true. That's wonderful. Well, Dean Leonard, we uh, um, have come to our time limit here and already. Yeah. <laughs> we can keep going if you want. I had one other question I was going to end with, and maybe this is the difficult one that will be a 20-minute answer. but. Uh, um, you're celebrating your past right now, and you're celebrating with the 1040, but um, obviously the future is uh, going to be both challenging and very, uh, there's a lot of optimism there as well. So um, in the best way you can answer this, uh, what's next for Campbell Law School? Well, folks say to me, how long are you going to be dating? And I'd say, I plan to stay until it's absolutely clear we're the dominant law school in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in some ways we're already there. Uh, if you look at who's producing all the prosecutors, all the public defenders, all of the judges, uh, public officials all across the state, uh, then uh, I think that's really exciting. But it's not just the numbers that we produce. I do believe that we are true to our mission, that we produce men and women who go to the bar and they don't do it to get rich and they don't do it for fame. Uh, they do it out of honest motives to make this world a better place for their fellow citizens. And, uh, that's a really worthwhile thing if you're a dean to be able to say you're able to do every day. Uh, I want to thank you so much for, for agreeing to do this um, and uh, good luck with your with your bike ride with the uh, rest of your 1040 celebration and looking ahead because um, Kate and I both uh, we love every chance to come up here to law school we, we love what you guys are doing up here. Thank you. Thank you sir.